Creative Babble. What is the premise of the Donnie Brasco film? And for my audience, like the people who haven't seen the film. Well, the premise is not just a mob movie because there's a lot of them, a lot of good ones, a lot of not so good ones. You can't turn on a television any week that Donnie Brasco is not playing somewhere, sometime, somehow. That's Leo Rossi, co-host of the podcast Deep Cover, The Real Donnie Brasco. Today I'm going to talk to one of the greatest pretenders of all time. His name is Joe Pistone. And if you don't recognize the name, it's because most people remember him for his alter ego, Donnie Brasco. You may or may not have seen the movie. Johnny Depp played the role of Donnie Brasco, an FBI agent who went deep undercover with the New York Mafia. Not for a week or a month, not even a year. Joe Pistone lived in character for six years. Six whole years inside the mob. He almost even became a made man. But don't worry, if you haven't watched the film or haven't seen it in years, I've got you covered. Because the true story about Donnie Brasco is way more interesting. Today we're going to talk about the story you didn't see in the film. The movie, if you remember, starts with Joe Pistone immediately infiltrating the mob. Today, we're going to talk about everything that happened before the movie ever begins. How did an FBI agent infiltrate the mob without even having an informant? The answer is, it takes a whole lot of planning. First, the FBI needs to create the character of Donnie Brasco. Then they had to come up with a backstory. Where did he come from? How did he earn money? Where does he live? They need to figure out every single detail about this character before Joe Pistone ever makes first contact with the Mafia. I'm Javier Leyva, and this is Pretend. Stories about real people pretending to be someone else. Or how Donnie Brasco would say, a bunch of fugazis. Picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first. In the movie, Johnny Brasco is played by Johnny Depp, and his mobster mentor, Lefty Ruggiero, is played by Al Pacino. This movie has some pretty famous lines. Actually, just one unforgettable line. Hey, can I ask you something? Well, what's forget about it? What is that? Forget about it. 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 Even my grandmother says, forget about it. Mami, ¿cuál es, ¿cuál es tu palabra favorita? Forget about. <laughs> <laughs> and she's not even Italian. And I'm pretty sure she's never even seen the movie. Forget about it. Forget about it. And it's become kind of part of our culture, right? Even the lines, forget yeah. about it. Why is this such a great, not just a great mafia film, but just a great film in general? 
Well, Joe, wasn't there a sandwich or a pizza or a drink named after you? Actually, uh, yeah, there's a f several restaurants that have uh, Donnie Brasco on their menu. Donnie Brasco sandwich, Donnie Brasco pizza. The other voice you heard is Joe Piston. He is the real Donnie Brasco. We're going to talk to him in a minute, but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Before we can talk to the real Donnie Brasco, we first need to learn about the real man playing the undercover role. And nobody knows Joe Pistone like his friend, Leo Rossi. So Leo, let me ask you a question. Describe Joe to me. Describe Joe Pistone. Joe does not suffer fools. He is a family man. I know his wife Maggie, his daughters, his grandsons, granddaughters and everything. And, uh, and he's a you know, church-going guy. Joe is, you can set your clock to him. He's always early, always early, always right there. I trust, trust him with my life. Remember, Joe Pistone is one of the good guys. He played a mobster in order to build a case against them. But if you don't know that, you would think that he was just another wise guy. You kind of describe a time when you actually met Terry Winters, who's the writer on The Sopranos and the creator sure. of Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. He was a doorman. During yes. the time when, when Joe was playing the real-life Donnie Brasco. Yeah, he was the doorman. He, he said that he knew that this guy was mobbed up. His caddy would pull up up front, and he'd get out, and then he said, I knew the guy was a stone killer. He said, you know, <laughs> I, I never was in the life, but I knew this guy was a stone killer. He said, so I never made eye contact with him, never made eye contact. And one day... He said, I was picking up a bag and I turned around and our eyes met. And he said, I looked death in the eye. But the real Donnie Brasco wasn't a stone cold killer. He was a career FBI agent working just another gig. Joe Pistone is retired from the FBI now. His mafia days are behind him. But that doesn't mean that he's completely out of the woods. Describe to me, Leo, the first time you met Joe Pistone. It was through a mutual friend. Leo Rossi is an actor in Hollywood. He's played plenty of mobsters throughout his career, but it was just acting. Joe Pistone actually lived like a mobster 24 hours a day and seven days a week for six years. Joe Pistone's mob days are far behind him, but even today, he can never let his guard down. Leo Rossi told me the story about when they first met. When I first started, we went into the Italian restaurant and there was, I think, four of us. So we go to sit down and I sit down and Joe's still standing. We said, what? He says, get up. Get up. All right, I get up. I get up. And he sat where I was sitting because he wanted his back to the wall not his back to where people coming in and could ambush him. When you become friends with Joe, close friends, people, you know, only know the movie. They only know the movie and that there was a $500,000 contract on his head. Open contract. You want to pop him? There it is. What a, what a great thing you pin on your chest. I whacked. Joe Pistone, a.k.a. Donnie Brasco. I had a picture taken with him, and, you know, my buddy's back in Philly. Are you nuts? Are you nuts? If that was a sniper and he went a little to the left or to the right, you're, you're gone. I said, you've seen too many friggin' movies. I, I can't imagine. We laugh about it. We, we, we yeah. joke about it. But that has to be in the back of your head, Joe, right? Even today. Oh, definitely. I mean, even, even today it is. But any... Uh, copper agent that's worked undercover that's ingrained in you you want to know what where that door is because you don't want anybody to get behind you before joe pistone ever joined the fbi he was just another kid on the streets the mob was all around him you grew up around the mafia you grew up around social clubs so this lifestyle wasn't a stretch for you right it, it was something that you saw day in and day out my question to you is how were you able to not get sucked into it, into that world? Because I did grow up around it. I saw guys uh, on the corner, the, the uh, social clubs. 
even though they always had the flash and the cash, never worked, dressed nice. But then I saw guys go to the can too, do a couple years in the can. Joe Pistone tells me that the street life just wasn't for him. He had bigger plans. And I always wanted to be in law enforcement anyway. And I think a lot of it had to do with, with my mom and dad. I don't ever want to do anything to embarrass my, my parents. When Joe Pistone was a young kid, his parents kept him off the streets and on the court. Joe Pistone was a pretty decent basketball player. Playing hoops kept him busy. Then after he graduated high school, Joe Pistone started working as a bartender. And even though he was dealing with a lot of cash, his father reminded him to stay on the straight path. He would always say, remember, that's not your money. That's the owner's money. Because it's easy, a couple bucks here, a couple bucks there when you got a busy bar. And he said, that's not your money. Remember that. Joe Pisson was in his early 30s when he joined the FBI. By the time he was sworn in, he had all the experience he needed to become Donnie Brasco. He grew up in a Sicilian family. He could speak a little Italian. And he knew the mafia's unspoken rules. These skills cannot be taught. What a great advantage, right? You grew up around these guys. Well, that, that certainly helped me in, in my endeavors as an FBI agent because you're not enamored with this life. You know what I mean? Growing up in a neighborhood, you hang around the crap games, you hang around the card games. So uh, none of that none of that stuff was, was new to me or it wasn't like exciting. We always say you get a guy from uh, Tupelo, Mississippi and you bring him into New York City and what's he doing? He's looking... He's looking up at the tall buildings all the time. Hey, I grew up with these guys. You see everything. The only thing you don't see are the murders. But it's not like Joe Pistone joined the FBI and suddenly went undercover as Donnie Brasco. That actually didn't happen for another few years. His first FBI assignment was in Florida. He worked small cases like bank robberies, busted up prostitution rings, and rounded up fugitives. You know, that kind of stuff. I had started doing undercover work in, in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. You meet a guy, you work him for a little, you know, for maybe a week or so, you get enough evidence and then you and then you bust them. These were short undercover stings. Joe Pistone would work the case and then at the end of the day go home to his wife and kids. But the more he got into it, these undercover operations required a little bit more time. Slowly, Joe Pistone was getting deeper and deeper into character. A case opened up in, in Florida, another cover case. So I went down and did that one. It was uh, infiltrating uh, guys that uh, were stealing high-end automobiles to order. In 1976, Joe Pistone was assigned a case that required him to go undercover. If Joe Pistone was going to infiltrate this gang, he was going to need to become one of them. But I was a car thief and I knew how to steal cars. But in order to go in deep cover, he needed a new identity. He chose the name Donnie Brasco. And that was a year and a half. That operation led to 30 arrests. And that's how Joe Pistone got the name Donnie Brasco. But it wasn't for the case that we all know about. I'd get home there maybe once a month. And then I get back to New York and I'm there, I'm there for a, a, a few months and my supervisor has this other operation going. Joe Pistone expected this new assignment to last a few months, six months tops. He was wrong. Six years later, Joe Pistone climbed the ranks of the Bonanno family and almost became a made man. So what's the difference between going undercover the way you did in Jacksonville, like doing prostitution rings or whatever, and, and then going deep cover like you did in the Donnie Brasco case? You have undercover and then you have deep undercover. The regular undercover is an informant introduces you to a bad guy. You do business with the bad guy. After a couple meets you, you might arrest them. So that's short term. That's what we call short term. And in that, you go home every night. You go into the office because you you really don't have a relationship with the bad guy other than whenever you're going to meet. So that's short-term undercover. Then we have what we call long-term. And it's basically, I might have an operation going that might go six months. I might have a business, but I'm still going home. I still have contacts in the office. So there's short-term undercover and long-term undercover. So what's considered deep undercover? 
Most people can't do deep cover. Most people don't want to do deep cover. Joe Pistone explains that deep cover requires you to leave your life behind. And I'm talking about everything. If you have a house, a car, a husband, or wife, or kids, forget about it. Once you walk out of that office, you never go back until the case is over. You don't have any identification on you other than your fake ID. That's the only, only identification. You have nothing that identifies you as an FBI agent with you. Joe Pistone says that the only person at the FBI he can talk to is his contact agent. That's it. That's the only person you have contact with. And once you infiltrate that group, that's, that's, your, that's your existence. That's your social life. That's your whatever. You don't get to see, you don't get to see your family that often. You're totally cut off from any, any social activities that you had prior. That's deep undercover. And like I say, most people don't want to do it because they don't want to give up, give up their social contacts. They, they don't want to give up going into the office, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm really curious about the family part because you had a wife and you had kids. I had the, th- the three children before I went in, went in the bureau. They were all real, real young. When Joe Pistone worked a deep undercover gig, he was only allowed to see his wife, Maggie, and three daughters once every three or four months. I didn't go and do undercover to get away from anybody or anything, you know. I, I did it because it was, part of, it was part of an investigation, and it just so happened I was good at it. And that's, I think that's where a lot of guys and gals have problems, is that they go into an undercover cover operation because they want to get away from their family life. They want to get away from from their working conditions. Maybe they got a supervisor they don't like, and they and that's the wrong reasons. When you're working undercover, you got yeah. I like to say you got three mistresses that you have to you have to appease, right? The first one's your home life. The next one's the FBI. And the next one's the bad guys, the group that you infiltrate. You got to please all three of those. And if you're having trouble with one, it flows over to the others. You know, you got to have a clear mind when you're doing deep cover. Okay, when you go deep on the cover, the first step is to leave your life behind. The next step is to assume a new identity. By the way, having Joe Pistone on pretend checked off my list for top guests. He is the ultimate pretender. Who else could assume another identity for six whole years? This guy was in character 24 hours a day, and he slip up, and he's sleeping with the fishes. But it turns out that Joe Pistone wasn't pretending at all. One of the other reasons why I, I always was successful is I never changed my personality. <laughs> you know? My personality stayed the same whether I was working undercover or I wasn't working undercover. And that's another mistake that undercovers make. They think, oh, wait a minute, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna portray a gangster. So I gotta go in and push my, push my weight around. And uh, I, gotta, I gotta drink, be boisterous. That's not me because I'm not a big drinker. I mean, I have a glass of wine or, 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 or a beer and that's it. And that's what was the most surprising thing about this whole thing because my show is about pretending to be someone else. And I just kind of assumed that you had to pretend to be somebody else to be undercover. But it turns out that Joe is being Joe the whole time, right? The only thing I changed was uh, my name. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I, I never changed my personality. Or, or my demeanor with these guys or with any undercover operation I was in. I, I told you I interviewed con artists and I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm almost studying them. I'm trying to figure out what, what do they have in common, right? And the uh, good ones believe the lie. And yeah. in your case, you're not lying. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Joe Pistone says he was always himself, but he wasn't completely honest the whole time either. Donnie Brasco was a criminal, but not just any criminal. The FBI decided that he was going to be a jewel thief. If anyone asked Donnie about his past, well, Joe Pistone had a story locked and loaded. The, the next thing I'm really curious about is building this persona of Donnie Brasco, because that, that didn't happen overnight, right? How long did that take to plan out? I learned about locks. 
I learned about alarms. I learned about safes because that's what's going to that's what's going to trip you up in, in any undercover. If you say you're somebody, some profession, but you don't know the backstory of that profession. And you got to know about this person, Donnie Brasco, too. So like if I if I ran into you at a social club or something, I say, hey, Donnie, where are you where are you from? Yeah, I mean, you, you got to have a whole backstory. And you try to stay as tr- close to the truth as possible. Like, I couldn't say, I couldn't say that I was from Staten Island. I, you know, I couldn't say I was from Queens or Brooklyn, because no one, no one, the mafia, they got families in every every borough. Everybody knows somebody somewhere, you know. So basically, you know, I'm from California. I'm from New York. I'm from. Florida. I, I, I'm an orphan. I grew up in an orphanage because then you don't have to be lying about, well, I was married. I got divorced, et cetera, et cetera. So I was never married. So yeah, you, you have to have a solid legend and you have to know your legend back and forth. And, and the best bet is, you know, you keep it simple. Here's Leo Rossi again. You know, didn't I ask you once, uh, you had wise guys come over to your place on the Upper East Side. And you surprised me. You said, yeah, I'd let them come. I threw a little Christmas party and everything. And I said, would you have like a picture there of the girl who was supposed to be your girlfriend? And what would you tell me? Uh, no. No. <laughs> because what was the ramifications if you had a picture there? Well, then I'd have to, I'd have to produce her. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you got to think about that. Everything. Everything. Not only did Joe Pistone need to know everything about Donnie Brasco, but he also needed to know everything about the wise guys he was after. You got to know who you're infiltrating. You have to know uh, everything about them. You have to know if they have rules, regulations, whatever. And I'm a big advocate of, of the art of war. You know, if you don't know your enemy, you're not going to defeat your enemy. Uh, and you have to know everything about them. And if you know the Italians, if I said that I knew who my parents were, but they're not, they're dead. Well, where are they buried? Let's go see, you know, and if I got to the point, the infiltration, uh, well, we want to see the graves, you know. So you, 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 you have to know who you're infiltrating and you got to have a solid backstory. Do they have somebody with the FBI who specializes in giving or working with you to get a legend and that's his job or her job? Leo, I can't answer that question. Oh, okay. Okay. There you go. That. I didn't hear that on your podcast, Leo. <laughs> that's an exclusive. And you that's won't. A, that's right. <laughs> All right. So, so, Joe, how did Joe Pistone dress and then how did Donnie Brasco dress? Because you said the, the trick is to be yourself, right? So I'm curious, did, did Joe Pistone dress different than Donnie Brasco? No, I mean, I, I, I dress like I normally dress, you know, slacks, dress shirt, uh, sport coat. I dressed normally, like I would dress any time. I had to go buy, you know, more clothes and stuff. I didn't get any pinky rings. I didn't get a lot of jewelry. I just wore, you know, a, a, a little gold chain with a cross on it because that's that wasn't that's that's not me with with, with all kind of jewelry. You know what I'm saying? So did anybody uh, ever question you, Joe, when you were uh, in deep cover or undercover or in life, how you got such razor sharp creases in your damn pants. <laughs> Did anybody ever do that, Joe? Because it, it annoys the shit out of me. <laughs> the cleaners, the cleaners. The cleaners. The cleaners. <laughs> but the, the, going back to the wardrobe stuff, so one of the things that I saw in the movie that made me laugh was the mustache. That Johnny Depp character had to shave his mustache. Did you have to shave yours? Yeah, actually, <clears throat> I had a bushy mustache. And then once I once I infiltrated and got close to the mob guys, actually Ruggiero told me, he said, you know, you got to shave that mustache off. Ruggiero, also known as Lefty, was the mobster played by Al Pacino. We'll get into how he broke into the mafia in just a minute. But I have to hear more about this mustache because who the heck joins the mafia wearing a mustache? Actually, Ruggiero told me, he said, you know, you got to shave that mustache off. 
you know, once they accepted me, again, knowing the rules, one of the one of the rules of the mafia is they like to see you neat all the time. You know, they want to see you dressed neat. You don't have to be in a in in a in a suit and tie. And they didn't want a beard. They didn't want a mustache. They didn't want long hair. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of their, you know, one of the, the the rules that they have set up. Okay, now that we got the mustache conversation out of the way, it's time for Joe Pistone to infiltrate the mafia. Pro tip. You can't just walk into a bar and apply to be a mobster. That's not the way it works. You either have to be related or have a friend. It's a pretty exclusive club. Most of the time, when the FBI wants to infiltrate a criminal organization, well, they have to flip someone from the inside and turn them into an informant. The informant is invaluable because they know all the players and they know all the rules. An informant can introduce an undercover agent into the organization. But that was not the case for this particular sting. Joe Pistone literally walked into a bar alone without an informant. Who does that? The way you worked your way in was at that Lucchese bar and restaurant, yeah. right? I used to go into this place. The idea was to, was to go into certain bars and restaurants, get my face seen, and hopefully get in conversation with people. The one place I used to go to uh, was Lucchese place. And one night a week, I don't remember, it was Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, the wise guys would have uh, go in and have dinner with their girlfriends. And I always used to sit at the bar and I never had any conversation with the bartender other than what I was going to eat because I'd go in there and get something to eat. So this, this goes on for maybe, I don't know, a couple months. And another thing, too, when you're trying to infiltrate into the mob, you can't be pushy. You know, you can't go in there and say, hey, I'm Donnie Brasco, I'm a jewel thief. But I go in there one night and everybody's in there except one guy. I, I notice one guy isn't there. I'm at the bar, but the young lady that, that he was always with was there. She goes up, goes to the ladies' room, comes out, walks by and says to me, hello. I just say hi. When she goes back, I call the bartender over. Now, I know what his name is, but I don't call him by his name because I was never introduced to him. So I said, I I just want to go on record. I did not initiate the conversation with that young lady. She belonged to somebody else, right? Well, you remember what I, you know, I go back to you have to know your enemy. And the mafia has certain rules. Some rules will get you killed. Some won't. A rule that will get you killed is you don't mess around with a a mafia guy's wife, daughter, or girlfriend. That'll get you killed. Well, the mafia has a term going on record, right? Now, you don't have to be a mob guy to say, to to know that. You just got to be a street guy. And each time Joe Pistone would go to this restaurant, the same girl would walk by and try to talk to him. This happens like three or four more times. And each time she gets into more conversation. Now I can't blow her off because I don't want to insult her any. But each time I call the bartender over and go through the same thing. I want to go on record that I'm not interested in that young lady. She stop it. Finally, one day he just says to me, hey, he said, uh, if you want to talk to her, go ahead. Her boyfriend went bye-bye. As I like to say, they didn't send him to Disneyland, you know. (laughs) They whacked him. But these little interactions with the bartender is exactly what Joe Pistone wanted. He was building a rapport with this guy. So now at least he knows I'm a street guy. And now we start talking about sports, talking about New York City, blah, blah, blah. And then one night he, he says, hey, you like to gamble? I say, yeah. He said, I'm going to an after hours join after you want to come. I say, yeah. So I go with him. And it's all, all mob guys there. Now, he doesn't introduce me around, but, it, but I'm OK because I'm with him. Now that the bartender and Donnie Brasco have established a relationship, it's time for Donnie Brasco to make his first move. After a couple more weeks now, I figure, well, now let me let me set the hook. I come in with a packet of diamonds. I put him on the bar. And I know now his name is Chala because he introduced himself. The only way Joe Pistone is going to infiltrate the mafia is through cash. Remember, Donnie Brasco is a jewel thief. Jewel thieves 
need a way to sell their jewels. So he hands the bartender an envelope full of diamonds. And I says, I got to get X amount of money for this packet. And he doesn't say anything. He just takes it. A couple of weeks go by. Finally, he comes in one night and he said, Donnie, somebody left this envelope for you. And it's what it's what I asked for. Now, when we go, at least now, when we go to the to the games, now he introduces me as Don the Jeweler. Now he figures I'm a jewel thief because... Where else did you get that? Where else did I get him? I didn't buy him. Now he started to hang out at these social clubs. It was time for Donnie to make friends with other mafiosos. You know, then I start talking to guys and I'd start talking to a Colombo guy. The Colombos are one of the five families in New York. And he was out in Brooklyn and he says, hey, why don't you come out? So I went out and I started hanging around out in Brooklyn with the Colombos for a few months. And Joe, did you always wear a wire at every interaction? Did you record every call? No, no. I only wore a wire on, on, on a couple occasions. I recorded phone calls with the mini cassette. And I only wore the, the mini cassette. I, had the, I would, would take the mini cassette with me when I, I knew that I was going to get into, into conversations. Like when I was given a contract, I, knew, I basically knew why I was being called in. So A contract. As in Donnie Brasco got a contract to whack somebody. You see, killing someone is a rite of passage in order to become a made man. We'll get into that in a bit. With these guys, every time, every time you see each other, you know, they hug, they kiss, you know. But I had, I had one of those uh, Radio Shack mini cassettes and I, I zipped it in my, uh, either in my cowboy boot or in my uh, uh, sport coat jacket. You got introduced to the mob by this bartender. I'm assuming that 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 was not an accident. You, your target was that bartender. He was your in to this world, right? Yeah, exactly. Donnie Brasco's time with the Colombo family was short-lived. Because I got into a, a physical confrontation with, with, with two guys that were in, in the crew. So I knew I couldn't go back and hang out with the Colombos anymore. This is a great story, by the way, that we're not going to get into here. You can hear all about it in Joe Pistone and Leo Rossi's podcast called Deep Cover, The Real Donnie Brasco. Make sure to check that out. But let's keep this story moving. Donnie gets into a fight with the Columbos, so essentially his only connection to the mob is gone. He has to figure out a way back in. So he keeps going back to those card games. So that's when I uh, I hooked up with Tony Mira and I, I met him at, the, uh, at one of the games. Tony Mira was a capo for the Bonanno family. A capo is a captain in the mob. At six foot three and weighing 230 pounds, Joe Pistone says that Mira was one of the meanest son of a bitches he's ever known. He was a Bonanno, Lower East Side, a little Italy guy. Hung around with him for a while, and so I, I started hanging out with him, and that's how I got in tight with the Bonanos. Yeah. And it was interesting because. You know, when you were hanging out with Mira, even though you, your own words, you said he was a mean son of a bitch. Right? Yeah, he this was. Guy, this guy was ruthless, right? Like yeah. even the other mobsters didn't like him, right? Yeah. No, he, he he was he was just a mean guy. I mean, he, he, I don't know. I think the only redeeming quality that guy had, he loved his mother. You know, other than that, he had no redeeming quality. You know, Joe, you said something. Uh, oh, always. <laughs> when you were with him because he was known to knife guys, shiv guys. You always kept a distance, right? Yeah, yeah. What's interesting is that before he went to prison, did he own you? You know, because I I found that interesting that I didn't realize that you could own someone. Yeah, well, you claim them. Yeah. claim them. Yeah, a wise guy can claim an associate, and he never did. Let me explain. Tony Mira should have claimed Donnie Brasco as one of his own. But he didn't. Joe Pistone worked with Tony Mira for five months. But when Tony Mira went to prison, Donnie Brasco became a free agent. That's when Lefty, the Al Pacino character, comes into the picture. And that was the big beef when he came out of prison because Lefty was smart enough to lay a claim on me. And uh, that, that's why, <clears throat> as the case went on, Mira tried to have me killed like three times. And, and there was three sit-downs, right? Yeah. 
In his podcast, Deep Cover, Joe Pistone tells a story about a time when his life was in danger. Tony Mara was now out of prison, and he wasn't happy. He accused Donnie Brasco of stealing a quarter of a million dollars from the Bonanno family. Well, he said I stole $250,000 in, in a drug deal that we did. But Donnie Brasco didn't steal any money. Mira was just jealous that Donnie Brasco became close with Lefty and another Bonanno family captain known as Sonny Black. At that time, a guy by the name of Sonny Black was my capo. And uh, he was my, for lack of a better word, counselor. And if, if he loses the sit down, then they, they kill you. But he won, he won, he won the, the sit downs. Yeah. God, man. Can you imagine? Tony Mira and Sonny Black were in three sit-downs, fighting over Joe Pistone, who is an undercover agent infiltrating their gang. Here's a recorded phone call between Joe Pistone and his associate, Lefty. I promise you one thing. Nothing's going to happen to you. Because I stuck up for you all the way. Let me tell you another thing. Well, who, did Rocky, who did Rocky tell that I made 120? Anthony Mira, that you shook him down. He's made his fucking chuck money. Hey, look, hey, hey, look I'm fed up with this bullshit. What, 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 I didn't hear you. What? A chuck money. Junk money? Yeah, that's right. Rocky admitted him. Because you proved different. Anthony Mira and his men. Don't you understand? He's a lying son of a bitch. He's a lying son of a He's lying, left. I don't give a fuck. He's, I know he's lying. So what are you hollering at me for? He's a motherfucking liar. He is. But Donnie, you got nothing to say about it. <laughs> I I'm gonna take it now. I can tell you tell you he's a liar. Here's a question, you're gonna tell me nothing. You ain't telling me nothing. I warn you and I'm gonna keep you. Well that's right. Tony Mira was a violent guy, and violence was a tricky thing for Joe Pistone to navigate. You see, FBI agents were prohibited from taking part in any act of violence. But if Joe Pistone wanted to pretend to be a gangster, every now and then, he had to get his hands dirty. It was only a matter of time. You had a contract to kill this guy named Bruno, and would you have done it? Well, let me say this. In the mob, if you're part of the mafia, you accept the contract to kill somebody and it's your responsibility. If you turn it down, you get killed. Now, yeah, I mean, if it was between me and him, it was going to be him. Okay, I'm reading an article from the New York Times printed in 1982. This article was written during the trials after Joe Pistone's undercover stings. Joe Pistone testified under oath that Sonny Black asked him to kill another gangster named Bruno. Joe Pistone recalls the time when Sonny Black was feeding pigeons on the roof of a Brooklyn building. He looked over at Donnie Brasco and asked him if he carried a gun. Brasco said no. Then Sonny Black handed him a pistol, but that hit never happened. There are lines that you're not supposed to cross, but I mean... Yeah, but you know, if if I'm... The situation came where we got information, he was he was at a location, we're getting ready to go to a location. Now, if we get to that location and he's there, I mean, I'm with these guys now, just going on six years. What am I going to say to him? Hey, you know, I'm, a, I'm really an FBI agent. <laughs> you think they're going to bleep me? Or if I if I chicken out, they're gonna kill me either way. My whole mindset, it might not be the right one, but you know, why would I why should I die for a gangster? But yeah, to answer your question, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's complicated. And I'm glad you didn't have to make that decision. <laughs> yeah, so am I. <laughs> you almost became a made man. Which is amazing because, A, first of all, to be a made man, you have to whack someone. And you almost had to. But in this case, you know, you were Sonny Black and, and they told you, like, hey, we want to make you a made man. Why didn't that happen? Well, what happened was that there was a, a shooting war within the Bonanno family. And the side I was with, which was Sonny Black's, they had killed three capos that were trying to take over the family. And now there was a shooting war in the family. It was the only time during the operation I ever carried a, a, a gun uh, and Sonny Black had given it to me. 
so, you know, now we're going to, a, you know, weddings and, and affairs and everybody's packing. I was due to get made in, in December and uh, we closed the operation down in July 27th. I lobbied to keep it going till I got made, but my good friend Jules Bonavolante, who ran the, was running the operation, and is a very, very dear friend, said, no. He said, I'm not facing your wife if you get killed in this operation. I said, but think of the embarrassment to the mafia. They made an undercover agent, you know. He said, no, not going to happen. Not going to happen. And the film is a dramatic ending, right? Where yeah. Johnny Depp is with Al Pacino by the docks and then the FBI pulls you out. I'm guessing that that was exaggerated for... Yeah, that, well, that, that was... What is it? Dramatic license. Dramatic license. Yeah, <laughs> dramatic license. Yeah. Let's go do this work. Get this over with. In the film, Donnie Brasco and Lefty, the Al Pacino character, are walking down at the marina at night. Pull him back of the ear, like pushing a button. Bing, bing. They're on their way to kill Bruno. Yeah. Don't freeze up. Don't freeze up. Nah. Other guys freeze up. Nah, I'll be all right. Pacino pulls out his pistol and says, All right, let's, let's go, go do, do this thing. They walk up to Bruno's boat and unplug the power, drawing him out of the cabin. The music crescendos, and suddenly the spotlights appear, and Donnie Brosco turns around. You can hear the agents shouting, FBI. They drag Lefty and Donnie Brasco away in handcuffs. In real life, it wasn't that exciting. The FBI pulled Joe Pistone out because they were afraid that the violence was getting out of hand. Once the Donnie Brasco operation came to a close, the FBI approached Sonny Black and showed him pictures of Joe Pistone wearing his badge. They told him that his friend and confidant, Donnie Brasco, wasn't real. He was an undercover agent this whole time. We had, they had wiretaps going, and it's like what we say, tickle the wire. They wanted them to get on the, get on the, get on the, uh, the phones and, and start talking. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, the FBI was trying to flip the Bonanno captain, Sonny Black. Once they found out that I was really an agent, when the FBI went to them, their initial reaction was, that's BS. There's no way Donnie's an FBI agent. They, they're just trying to get us to, to talk. And uh, they, they kidnapped him to, to turn him, to make him into an informant. That's what they thought. Start being served. Then they realized it. Sonny Black refused to accept the fact that his friend Donnie Brasco was a real FBI agent, and therefore, he refused to flip. And it seems like the wise guys were in a state of denial, too. And But actually, going back to the whole theme of this, which is con artists, right? Yeah. I've noticed that, too, that when a victim figures out that they've been conned, they don't want to believe it. No. uh uh-uh. No. So in this case, the mafia was in denial. They're like, no, Donnie's yeah. one of us. I'm in, I'm in court three years later, maybe four years later. And the guy that was the underboss was one of the subjects. And I'm getting off the stand and I, I, I walk by the table, the defense table. And he says, Donnie, he calls me Donnie. He said, Donnie, how could you do this? You were one of us. <laughs> and this is like after I and I had probably been in seven or eight trials <laughs> before that. She said, Donnie, how could you do this? You were one of us. It's a tough pill to swallow, man. But reality eventually started to sink in. Warrants, grand jury indictments, arrests, things were getting real. And inside the Bonanno family, all eyes were on Sonny Black and Lefty. It turns out that introducing an undercover agent into the mob family has some repercussions. So Sonny Black gets a call one day. He has to go to a sit-down to report to a sit-down. A mafia sit-down, if you recall, is a meeting between the mob bosses. These meetings are where decisions happen. Who gets made? Who gets to live? And who's going to die? So he goes into, goes into his bar, and he does. He takes off his diamond ring, takes the money out of his pocket, takes all, all the keys off his key ring, but his car keys, and says to the bartender, I'm, I'm going to a sit down and I'm probably not coming back. I mean, he knew it. 
called his girlfriend and 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 told her and and he says uh i want you to to get in touch with donnie and and tell him that i don't hold anything against him i love the guy he was just better than we were pistone says that sonny black never made it out of that sit down he was shot dead and his hands were cut off Lefty was arrested by the FBI and served 15 years in the can and was released right before his death. The evidence collected by Joe Pistone led to over 200 indictments and 100 convictions. The mob put out a half a million dollar contract for anyone who whacked Joe Pistone. And at the end of the operation, the FBI gave Joe Pistone a $500 bonus before taxes. Since that, since the operation ended, I think I moved one, two, three, four, five, maybe five times. So the the, the kids' names were changed and schools and all that stuff. So, yeah. Believe me, we only scratched the surface. Joe Pistone has six years worth of stories after infiltrating the mob. If you want to hear more, I have good news for you. Joe Pistone and Leo Rossi have a podcast. Leo, what's the name of that podcast? Oh, the name of that podcast is Deep Cover, The Real Donnie Brasco, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Jam Street Media. (laughs) This is not an ad. I legitimately love this podcast. I've listened to it like three times in order to prepare for this episode. Each episode breaks down a specific time period during the operation. And you can even listen to wiretaps between Donnie and some of the other Mafia members. How many more episodes? Oh, they said we have 16 on the air, and we're going to start our second season. And wow. We're going to also do some more with the, uh, the tapes. That was my favorite part, man. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Donnie Brasco, the movie is a classic. Forget about it. But the true story is even better. What I love about this podcast is that you get to hear what really happened versus the Hollywood creative liberties. I never had 300000 in a bag. <laughs> and I just saw that guy's leg off with a hacksaw. Oh, and, and, and another thing, I, <laughs> for your listeners that's, that, that have seen the movie, Donnie Brasco, I never slapped my wife. <laughs> if um, you met Javier, his wife, Maggie, there's no way that he would lay a finger on her because she'd knock him out. <laughs> She's a tough <laughs> Irish girl. Irish girl, right? Addison, New Jersey, baby. <laughs> but some things in this movie are shockingly true. Donnie Brasco and Lefty, Al Pacino's character, would drive around New York City with a lion in their car. A real lion. Legend has it that Lefty would walk the lion up and down the street. The lion was still a cub, but still. When the lion became too big for them to control... They took it to a park and tied it to a tree and then called the police. Now that case is over, the Donnie Brasco case is over. And I wonder how much of that still remains with you. I heard you in the podcast. It was funny. And you did it. And I don't think you did it on purpose, but you, you said, forget about it. <laughs> how much of those things like stayed with you afterwards? Well, <clears throat> phrases like that may stay with you. Uh, a couple other things that that stayed with me was <clears throat> going into a restaurant and not having a reservation. And they say, well, there's you got the two hour wait. And I say, well, wait a minute. I got a reservation. You know, I made this reservation three days ago. And you just keep and that's that's a wise guy way. Last question. And this is I asked my listeners. I said, hey, do you have any questions? And they came up with a bunch of questions. But this one made this one was good. So, Joe, who starts your car in the mornings? <laughs> well, when, when I'm with Leo, Leo does. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't joking there. <laughs> Next time on Pretend, this doctor took the Hippocratic Oath to first do no harm. I think the full number may not ever be known. We discovered 16 patients who died of an overdose either while they were under his care or within a year of leaving his care. That's next time on Pretend.
It turns out that Joe Pistone had trouble joining the FBI because there was a mobster in his family. You gotta hear this story. If you wanna hear more of my conversation with Joe Pistone and Leo Rossi, go to pretendradio.org and click the donate button. Also, I'm starting a YouTube channel where I get to post some of the interviews that I do with my guests. Go to my website, pretendradio.org, and I'm gonna have a link to the YouTube channel. Go ahead and subscribe. I'm gonna pick 10 random subscribers and ship them a pretend t-shirt. And let me tell you, these things are so super comfortable. They're screen printed by hand. You would love it. So go to pretendradio.org and find the YouTube channel and then subscribe and you'll be eligible to win the shirt. Also, thank you to Jerry Williams from the FBI Retired Case File Review for putting me in touch with Joe Pistone. I can now mark this interview off my bucket list. Jerry's show is great. This month, she's going to interview John Douglas, the FBI profiler who inspired the Netflix show Mindhunter. I remember reading the book Mindhunter as a kid, and it seriously blew my mind. So go check out FBI Retired Case File Review. Oh, and check out the promos for these awesome shows. I'll talk to you guys in two weeks. you real crime aficionados. You've met the CSIs, you've met the detectives, and you've met the profilers. Well, now it's time for Crime Analyst. You're interested in real crime, right? Me too. You're interested in good storytelling about the victims and the perpetrators. Well, me too. But you want more insight and analysis. You want to learn more about the who, the what, the where, the when, the how, and the why and you want to know how you can prevent it. So you're basically a crime analyst, just like me. Congratulations, you found your next podcast. Come ride shotgun with me, Laura Richards, criminal behavioral analyst, former New Scotland Yard, every week as we profile behavior and identify the red flags to prevent murders in slow motion. Come join me in the intelligence cell every week as we deconstruct and analyze real cases. The first episode of Crime Analyst drops January 2021. Subscribe, download and listen for free by searching for Crime Analyst on your preferred podcast app on Apple or Android devices. You can also listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher or on crimeanalyst.com. Be curious, ask questions and always trust your instinct. Oh, hey there. You like true crime stories, right? Yeah, yeah, I know, who doesn't? But I gotta admit, after a while, all those stories of murder and heartache, well, they tend to go straight to my hips. So that's why I, Leroy Luna, have created a podcast called Excuse Me, That's Illegal, where we'll take a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. No TED Talks on Bundy here. The letters BTK won't be coming from these lips, unless he had a brother that used to steal library books. Suppose I'd be willing to go balls deep into that one if that were the case. Anyways, you'll hear stories such as the Mad Pooper, a female jogger who wreaked havoc in a Colorado Springs neighborhood, using one family's front yard as her own personal dumping grounds. If this kind of content sounds like it's up your alley, excuse me, that's illegal, is available right now on all your favorite podcatchers. So come join me. I'll be right here waiting for you. Creative back.